Welcome back to the First Gen Hunter Podcast. Happy Tuesday. Another great start to your week, I hope. If not, hopefully it's about ready to get better here in the next oh, 15 to 20 minutes. On this episode of Picking Bones, I'm all by my lonesome, and that's good sometimes. Of course, it's better to have more people on here, but you know, sometimes it's great to hear it straight from the horse's mouth as well. And so that's what I'm going to attempt to do. We're taking a little bit of a break from our elk series. We'll have another episode this Friday on elk hunting. Uh, but I figured, you know, like five or six straight episodes of elk eh, might get a little bit old, even to the most obsessive elk hunter. So I'm going to take a little break from it, and I'm going to do something that is very timely. I'm going to talk about something that's very timely, I should say. And that is getting ready, or really what you should be doing to get ready for deer season right now. So what is it exactly that you should be doing to get ready? Well, before I answer that, I'm going to tell you about a recent podcast interview I did. I joined um, a friend of mine, Brent Barnett. He was uh, on the show back in May. Uh, when we talked about the turkeys that we each tagged um, this spring. And uh, he is the host of uh, Brownfield Outdoors, which is like a podcast within Brownfield Ag News, which is a uh, radio show. And uh, they have you know some podcasts that go along with the radio programs. Um, but he had me on there to talk about this very topic, more so about archery specifically, like getting ready for uh, bow season uh, for uh, uh, deer. And uh, I thought to myself, you know what, I should probably cover, uh, do a similar thing, you know, on my own show, reach my own listeners and give them some tips that I uh, would give there on his show. Uh, but I'm going to go and uh, just do like kind of a uh whole broad scope here of different things that should be done during this time of the year for uh, preparing for deer season. So we're going to start out with this. You need to figure out where and when you're going to hunt this coming deer season. That's the first thing you need to do. Um, You're probably not going to like it when I tell you this, but let's be honest. The reality of deer season is probably 10 to 15 hunts for most people. Um, and, uh, that's probably a little generous. In fact, I would say for most people, probably more likely five to 10 hunts. But if you're listening to a hunting podcast, I'm going to guess that you're a, uh, uh, somebody who likes to hunt a little bit more than the average person out there. So, uh, I think 10 to 15 is probably a pretty good number. We all have so many other things that we're responsible for work, of course, and, uh, kids stuff, family stuff, um, other hobbies, maybe uh, church responsibilities, uh, other clubs and organizations that people are a part of responsibilities, vacations, weddings, all that. You know how it goes. By the end of deer season, you're going to be looking back and thinking, huh, I guess I really didn't hunt all that much this year. I mean, when you count all the days up, I think it's basically four months of hunting. Yeah. Yeah. October 1, November 2, December 3, January. Yeah, so three and a half, three and a half months of hunting. You know, that's that's um, about 100 days. And um, we'll probably realistically hunt 10 to 15 of them. So you need to really figure out where you're going to be hunting and when you're going to be there. If you have a couple different options, a couple different farms, I recommend attacking them in this way. If you know a farm lends itself 
to being very good during uh, the early season, but not so good during the rut and not good at all during uh, the late season just because of the available cover and what goes on on the property and that kind of thing. I have that exact situation where I live. Um, so I'm going to hit it hard in October. And if you have another farm that's maybe also good in October, but still good during the rut, well, then that's where you should plan your rut. And then here's the hardest one that I think uh, limits a lot of people. Find that good late season farm, okay? This is where the shed hunting is really going to pay off. Where you find those sheds in the spring is probably where you're going to want to be doing a late season hunt. So uh, really prioritize that now in your calendar. Work it out with your spouse if, you ha- if you're married and have kids. Or work it out with your coworkers, figure out when they're wanting to go on vacation and that kind of thing, and plan your schedule out now. You will thank me when you get there and you have uh, the lack of stress that goes into being able to know if you're going to be able to get out and hunt tomorrow or not. So get that lined up first. Next, you need to secure hunting permission. Always make sure you have that figured out before you get to the season. Um, and it kind of just goes with the first one. If we, if you don't have reliable hunting permission, then you're going to have to hunt public land. There's nothing wrong with hunting public land. Um, there's a lot of great pieces of public land. In fact, if you live out West, that's probably what you're going to be hunting anyways. Um, but here in the Midwest, it is pretty limited and it can be, uh, heavily, uh, pressured, especially if you go up into, uh, states that have just huge hunter populations like Wisconsin, Michigan, or even out to Pennsylvania, although I imagine they have quite a bit of public land out there. Um, but uh, if you if you are in one of those states where there's a lot of pressure, you need to be se- securing some hunting permission right now so that you can increase your opportunities. Um, in, in many cases, uh, if you can get permission, especially if you're the only one hunting on private land, you're just going to have a little bit easier time locating deer. So try and get that nailed down now. Don't wait to the season because the next part is you got to get your stands and your shooting lanes set up. Um, I say this every year. I'm going to do it in March. Never do it in March. I just don't do it. And uh, you know why. It's because I'm addicted to finding sheds. And so I really just have decided, yep, you know, unless some freak thing happens, I'm probably not going to get this work done then, but that's okay. You can still get it done in August. You still get it done even in September, but, um, it's, you know, the earlier, the better get that impact, get your human scent out of the woods sooner rather than later. And, uh, also, you know, another benefit to waiting till this time of year is you can, when you're cutting your shooting lanes, you can, you know, see what maximum, tree coverage is going to look like with leaves the downside to that though is you got to really pay attention and uh, make sure that once all the leaves fall off the tree by november um, you're not going to be sitting there totally exposed on the side of that tree uh, because all the leaf cover is gone make sure you find a tree that's got like a lot of big branches and or another tree close by that can kind of cover you up a little bit that can just make a huge difference and um your uh you know stealth as you're hunting so get those stands in order and uh um also i recommend as part of that make sure you do your stand maintenance check your rat 
your ratchet straps. They dry rot or, you know, just that wet, dry cycle when they get rained on and they dry out, it weakens them. And they can see, they can look like they're perfectly intact, but then if you went to really yank on them, put a lot of weight on them, they, they just snap like nothing. Um, so make sure you do that. Make sure all the bolts are tight. Give stuff a, 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 a shot of paint if it's going to be rusting real bad or something like that or isn't um, going to be concealed very well from other hunters seeing it and keying in on your spot. Make sure you get it all taken care of. Okay, now the next thing, practice. And there's three things that I put here for practice. The first two are going to be obvious. Practice with your bow and practice with your gun. Okay, so let's talk about those for a second. With your bow, um, make sure you have everything dialed how you need it. Your From your sight to uh, the, the weight and balance of the bow with your stabilizer to even the right poundage that you're shooting. Um, something that's comfortable you feel confident with. Um, and of course, uh, your sight, you have all your pins set. If you got a slider, get that thing, uh, going, uh, to where it's exactly where it needs to be. Um, all of that goes without saying, right? Make sure your equipment's are even your heads on your arrows and your, and maybe even the arrows themselves. So make sure that is all dialed. Then you need to work on your firearm. If you're going to be uh, doing a firearm hunt, which hopefully you will be, make sure everything's clean and everything is uh, um, level with your scope. Make sure you're hitting consistent groups at a realistic hunting distance and um, make sure that uh, you're getting some practice in too with, with your scope. Don't just make sure that it's accurate, but maybe uh, take some more practice shots with that gun or if you want to be you know, saving some money on it because those rounds can be expensive for rifles. Um, maybe get out the 22 or the 17 HMR and do a little scope work with, with those guns and just get used to making those shots. I also forgot to mention, too, in both cases, for the rifle and for archery practice, make sure that your practice is realistic. So maybe shoot from elevated positions. Maybe put the target near a spot where it's going to be kind of uh, brushy around there, like when you're hunting. So you got to find the holes uh, to shoot through. Um, uh, just put yourself in different scenarios, shooting from the ground, shooting from an elevated position, shooting from quartering away um, shots, maybe some quartering two, definitely some broadsides, all that stuff, and use a realistic target. Go back to the episode with uh, Dead Nuts Outdoors. We talked about their 2D targets. So useful. I love mine. I use it all the time, and I can tell that it's already making me a more lethal hunter. Use those realistic targets. Okay, the last thing you need to practice with is your hang and hunt setup. Maybe you're like me. You got a ultralight stand of some sort, and you got to climb up the tree, hang your sticks, hang your stand, and then hunt. Uh, there's a lot that goes into that and a lot that can be noisy, a lot that can be frustrating, and even a lot that can be dangerous. You need to practice with that setup. Even if you did it last year, get out and do it at least one more time before the season starts just so you remember what all is in store for that. You're going to be sweating. You're going to be busting your knuckles on stuff, scraping your arms up on the tree, fighting to get uh, ratchet straps cinched down quietly and tight enough to be effective. Yeah, you know how it is if you've ever done it before. So make sure you get some practice in with that. You might even need to do a little fine tuning on your setup to make sure that it stays quiet and safe 
and that it also is as lightweight as possible and isn't awkward weight. We all know how miserable carrying something that's just hanging off of you weird or something like that is. Find a good way to get all that stuff cinched up nice and tight and compact when you're transfer transferring it into the field and uh, you know, even get some practice picking a good tree because you can that's when uh uh paralysis by analysis can really happen is when you're trying to do a hang and hunt and finding a good tree in a good spot. So uh, make sure you get all of that practiced as well. And then finally, the thing that uh, I committed to doing better with this year, and so far it is not going well, I just hung my first trail camera last week, and uh, I'm not getting any signal. And so it's not it's not uh, sending anything to me. It's a cell cam, and uh, I'm going to have to mess with it again. But uh, hanging trail cameras is a... Uh, you know, it, I, I would say it's not a necessary part by any means, but it is a part and it can certainly be helpful. There can be many adv advantages that come from it. Um, I would encourage you not to become someone who's totally dependent on it. I think you'll be a better hunter if uh, you're, you're better at reading sign and uh, making adjustments based off of that. Regardless, though, it's still a good tool and it's a really cool tool as well because you get to see all those awesome pictures of the different critters running around your property. But make sure you get out and get that stuff done now. You don't want it to bleed into the season where you're adding extra pressure on the on the woods before the sea you're you know, like right at right at and during deer season. Uh, because you just hurt your chances then. So find a good spot now. Make sure your cameras are working. Batteries are good. You know, you got all the false trigger things taken care of, like, you know, branches and leaves that could blow in the way, grass that could be swaying in the wind, all that stuff that could cause false triggers. Make sure that's taken care of. And uh, also make sure it's something that's going to be accessible to you during the season so that it's going to be, you know, useful to you. Now, if it's a cell cam, obviously you got a lot more latitude with that. Um, but if it's uh, not a cell cam, I would recommend either putting it on the, the tree that you're going to hunt from, as long as it's a subtle trail camera. If it's got a big white flash on it or even an infrared flash, um, that can draw unwanted attention right to where you're going to be hunting. So I recommend using a dark flash camera. Uh, something that's not going to have a big impact on the deer there. And it's something that you don't have to wander around the woods checking five different trees until you remember where your camera is um, or, you know, drag scent all around your stand trying to get to your camera. Just make it minimize that impact by trying to get it to work somehow by putting it on your the, the tree you're going to be hunting from. Maybe the best way to do that is to actually get one of those trail camera hangers that screw in. Uh, they might even make some that strap onto the tree. But um, uh, make sure you plan ahead with that, something that's going to allow you to be able to access that. And then also, don't forget, don't have that thing facing directly into the rising or setting sun, or you'll probably get some more false triggers. So that's what I have for you. Of course, there's a million other things that you could be doing, but really if you do those five things, I think you'll be sitting in a pretty good spot to have your best deer season yet. So uh, make sure you get those things taken care of. Uh, also, you want to take a look at Spartan Forge heading into this deer season because uh, Spartan Forge is really the handiest tool 
that comes in the form of an app that you can have on your phone in your pocket while you're hunting. Um, the mapping is awesome. The uh, uh, waypoint saving and sharing is great. I do that quite a bit. I just used it for work this last week a couple different times. Um, you can also, uh, of course, use the deer behavior prediction where you can uh, see what kind of uh, movement you can expect from your local deer herd. It's going to take different conditions based on your GPS location, compare it to radio collar data, and it's going to give you a prediction for what deer are going to be doing in your area. So definitely get Spartan Forge. You can download it for free, and I strongly recommend you do. But then uh, you can subscribe to get the best features like the deer behavior prediction, um, you can either do that monthly or you can do a, an annual subscription. That's what I recommend doing um, just because then you can use it all year round and get the most benefit out of it. Uh, uh, Spartan Forge is something that I really believe in, and they are the presenting sponsor for this podcast. So proud to be a part of them and uh, what, what Bill's doing there to help hunters, especially uh, new hunters. So uh Join up with Spartan Forge. Find that link in these show notes or in the link tree in my Instagram bio. And uh, you can get that free download going and then hopefully the subscription as well. And then also Alex Grun of East West Hunts is another sponsor of the show. Alex will help you plan your dream hunt. Maybe you got a dream whitetail hunt. Maybe you want to come here to Iowa. Yeah, it's complicated. Well, Alex will help you crack that code and get you into the land of big bucks, the whitetail state. Alex will do it. He's actually planning a hunt for himself here. Um, that I'm going to treat him to. So uh, you uh, can definitely make or put together your own plan uh, with Alex's help. Either he does the entire process for you, even to the point of applying for points and tags, uh, but also to planning out where you're going to hunt and where you're going to stay and where's the taxidermist and all that stuff. Uh, but Alex will take care of you. Go to eastwesthunts.com. Use that promo code FIRSTGEN10. When you go to make your purchase, or just tell Alex if you're talking if you're talking to him, hey, I heard about you on the First Gen Hunter podcast. You'll save ten percent off of your final bill. So make sure you do that. Again, EastWestHunts.com, First Gen Ten will save you ten percent. And speaking of taxidermy, I am partnered up with the best taxidermy service in the world, and that is Old Barn Taxidermy out of Fort Madison, Iowa. They do world-class quality work. I have two beautiful shoulder mounts that my mom and dad were just admiring yesterday when they came to visit me on my birthday, and uh, I admire them every single day, and I love looking at them, and uh, it wouldn't be that way if I didn't go to a good taxidermist because I have seen plenty of very poor taxidermy work, even slightly poor. Even if it's just a little bit bad, it's all bad. Just go with the Euro mount then in that case. You don't want bad taxidermy. You want good taxidermy. So go to Old Barn uh, Taxidermy. Tell them that I sent you. Yes, please do. Um, they want to know uh, if if uh, I'm doing my part and uh, talking about them on the podcast because they're one of my sponsors. So make sure you uh, go to Old Barn Taxidermy. You can find their website in the show notes. And you can look at all the different types of work they do. They do it all. They do like over 500 deer a year. And uh, they do mountain lions. They do bears. They do turkeys. They do fish. If you shoot it or catch it, they'll be able to get it taken care of for you. They just figure it out. So 
you want to go to Old Barn Taxidermy and uh, get that work done very professionally. And I shouldn't just say they'll figure it out. They know what they're doing. They've done it all. Sam's been doing it, I think he said, for over 40 years now. So you'll want to go there, get that cat, you know, get on with that level of experience and get the best product you can possibly get. So, well, with that, everyone, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Pickin' Bones. Uh, I hope this was helpful for you. I wish I knew this stuff when I was getting into hunting, and I still need to be coached up on all of these things even now in my ninth year of hunting. And uh, I still find things in all of these categories to be very helpful year after year. And I hope this really is your best deer season ever. Uh, We'll talk more deer uh, coming up soon after we're done with our elk series. Uh, Be paying attention to that coming out this Friday, another episode on elk hunting. It'll be called something like where to find elk, you know, something really practical like that. So we'll uh, talk about that coming up on Friday. Until next time, everyone, take care and take someone hunting.